Uh, I have preached all five of these verses at some point, and I got down to verse 5 the other day just in doing my personal studies, and I came across just the phrase, the love of God, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. I'm going to talk about the love of God tonight for just a few minutes and and just try to encourage us in what we have coming up and on the horizon here and what we have uh, as a church body and uh, the faithfulness that we should show to our Heavenly Father and all the hope that God provides to us and how he not only provides us hope, he provides us his spirit. And, and I just want to look at a few thoughts here tonight that, that might just help encourage you throughout this, the rest of this week as we approach Saturday for our soul winning time and approach Sunday morning for our services and uh, encouraging others to come and to participate in the services. And I began to think about the love that the Lord has for the saved. And I thought, wow, how much God loves us. He says that the... Uh, love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. God gave us a wonderful gift when we got saved, and we have heaven as our home. But in that gift, in the process of the giving of the gift, he gave us the Holy Ghost. And I, I think about how wonderful that is, because by giving of the Holy Ghost, we now have access to God, but we have understanding of the scriptures. He can enlighten our minds. He can give us wisdom and clarity of thought. When you pick up this book, it's not just any book. It is the written words of God. And God has given us such a great ability to take that in. And I thought as a saved person, how wonderful it is that you have the comfort not only of God in you, you have the comfort of his word and the spirit of God working in us to help us better understand and take it in. And I thought about how wonderful it is to be saved. And I thought about the lost. It's so amazing that he uses the spirit of the Lord to save the lost. And, and when you go and you witness to someone, you realize that it's not us it's God doing a work. And it's not even us being present there. It's the Holy Spirit being present in the meeting. And whenever you share the gospel with someone and God opening that door of opportunity for that soul to come to him and God using us. And I thought about the love of God in the process of all of that. That he gave his only begotten son. And there it is right there in the middle. You opening up his word, sharing it with a lost soul, and God the Holy Spirit right there in the middle of it, working it out. Isn't that wonderful? And God does that for us. And so he, he presents that opportunity. And then I, I thought about a saved individual should have the assurance of salvation. And I know a lot of folks that get saved and then they really struggle with their salvation. How many of you know people personally that really struggle with their salvation? Like they teeter back and forth. And, and, and I know folks that whom I, I love dearly, but boy, they battle with that eternal security thing. And, and, and sometimes it's the case of someone's gotten saved and never baptized. You know, I believe once they get baptized, it helps to start solidify some things in their mind. And, and they start taking that walk. That's a step of obedience. I believe once they get into the house of God and get into the word of God, I believe it helps them. But there are just some folks that just really battle with that idea of once saved, always saved. And yet... I thought about how encouraging it is and the assurance that I have of salvation and not to doubt the Lord God because God indwells us. How could I otherwise understand this book? Because he said the carnal mind cannot understand the things of God. So how is it possible that I can open up this very divine word and read it and understand it? Really 
from a spiritual perspective, how is that possible? You say, well, it's just head knowledge. And I'm saying, no, it goes beyond that because it is the Holy Spirit that works in us and teaches us all things and brings all things to our remembrance whatsoever he said unto us. And I got to thinking about how it shows up in our lives and it shows up in our lives as believers. And so as we take in the word, it's not just about knowing what it says, it's about living it out, isn't it? And how, how, how much do you enjoy watching people really live out their salvation? They really do what they believe. And, and you know, if we do what we believe, we'll be a witness for Christ. And, and so if we believe that he saves, we'll be a part of that. And, and we'll extend that invitation to the lost for God has given us the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Therefore, in salvation, there should be some confidence. Would you agree? I, I know the day I got saved, I, I know where I was, I know what was said to me, I know what was happening, and I mean, I cannot forget. And, and see, it's not like that for everybody, but I, I'm telling you, on October 12, 1995, I was sitting in a room, I know exactly what happened, and I knew that moment God entered into my life. I have no doubt I got saved that day. And I have no doubt about what God did in that room that day. And what he did in that, in that heart, that old wicked heart of mine. And, and God came in and he did such an amazing work. And, and, and he, he did something that night and I knew I was saved. Now I want to tell you, when I was a child, I had come forward in a service. Uh, I, I had been, by, by the way, folks, I had been baptized more than once. <laughs> I, I, I just got a kick out of it. I thought, man, if I just tell them I just got saved, they're going to take me back there so I can get wet again. And I just thought it was the coolest thing ever. And, and I would just keep going back there. And I got baptized more than once. And then it hit me what it was really all about. And, and I was 30 years old, and I remember God intervening in my life over and over and over and over and over. And I don't know how many times now in my saved life I can think back on my unsaved life and remember how many times people witnessed to me. I didn't know then what they were doing. I know now what they were doing then. But I just thought about how many times God came after me because I wasn't interested in him. And you know, if we got that kind of interest in God, we'll have that kind of tenacity to go after people because we just don't know who's next. We don't know who that next one is. In salvation, there should be confidence that comes from God, not our own thoughts, not our own feelings, but of the Lord, about the security of life eternal in Christ alone. There ought to be some sense of a, of a security in that. And I believe with all my heart, once saved, always saved. There are people that preach from the pulpit that that's not so. We got a church just on the outskirts of town that preaches and teaches that you cannot stay saved. You have to keep getting saved. And that breaks my heart to think that there are people sitting in there thinking they have to keep getting saved over and over again. Of course, that man has to answer to God, not me. And those people will have to answer to God, not me. There's a very uh, reason that uh, we should be bold in our faith for the Lord. And that's because he doesn't provide a false hope. He gives us an assured hope. It's not that... Uh, it's not like, I, I, boy, I really, man, I'm just praying this really works out. How many of you really know you're saved? <laughs> and you know Jesus Christ saved your soul. And you know you're not destined for an eternal hell. You're destined for heaven forever in Christ alone. 
And I got to thinking about God then secures that hope in our hearts by the power of the Holy Ghost, which is in us. You see, when you get saved, the Holy Spirit moves in. God clearly says in the Bible that the Spirit of God indwells us. That means He's in us. And so the Bible clearly tells us that the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, we can grieve Him. We can quench the Spirit. And the thing is, is that I want the Spirit to be alive in me. Hey, listen, uh, you've got to realize that, that the Spirit of God really can motivate us and help us in our understanding of not only the Scriptures, but in our love for God and our love for others and our love for souls. And he says, be not drunk with wine, where's the next says, but be what? Filled with the Spirit. And the thing of it is, is I'm not getting any more. I'm giving less of myself sometimes than I should. And to be filled with the Spirit is to relinquish me and let him have his way with me. So I challenge us with this thought. Do you have a strong assurance of God's love that it makes you bold for your witness for him? You know, I am so praying for this revival uh, to come. And uh, I'm praying that it happened before Brother Dwight even show up. I'm praying people start getting saved. I'm praying for families to start coming. I'm praying for visitors to start walking out. And by the way, God the Holy Spirit is that powerful. Amen? God is that powerful to make things happen. And what we have to do is pray believing that God will do these things. Why? Because this belongs to God. This is not ours. It belongs to Him. And so a people with a sincere heart coming to him, believing that he is, and he's the rewarder of them, that diligently seek him. And so I got to thinking about, but without faith, it's impossible to do what? If we, by faith, pray believing, revival will come. <laughs> if we don't pray believing, it's impossible to please him, because what pleases him is faith, isn't it? And without faith, it's impossible to please him. And so when I look at this, for him that cometh to God must believe that he, what, is, and that he is the rewarder of them that diligently, what, seek him. Now, it's not a rewarder in the sense of personal gain. I don't think that's what it is. I think it has everything to do, when you go in and read Hebrews, it has to do with all the spiritual things. Everything spiritual that's necessary. And so the love of God, it provides hope, and the love of God provides His Spirit to the believer. And so God provides what I believe is strong assurance. When someone has this kind of hope, it's a supernatural hope. I don't think it's fabricated. I want to tell you, that day on October 12, 1995, when I walked out of that room, I knew heaven was my home. There was no doubt in my mind. I got saved that night. And when I walked out of there, I had never in my life doubted God again about my salvation. When I walked out of that room, I knew Jesus Christ saved my soul. And when I left that room, I thought to myself, this is some sort of supernatural thing because I couldn't have fabricated what happened that night. And when I got saved, this hope that is spoken of in this passage, it brought justification to my life. It brought faith to my life. It brought peace to my life. It brought grace to my life. It brought strength in times of trials to my life. There was things that happened that I personally could not handle, but I knew my God gave me now the strength to do so. It was different. It was very different when I walked out of there. And through the trials, we're given the assurance that God, uh, the Lord provides hope to endure. And the Lord shows the building blocks that lead to that strong assurance of his love. For his hope provides, in tribulation, he said he provides patience in tribulation. 
Patience was not my thing. <laughs> and God has taught me through the years to be more patient. And, and the thing of it is, is that when you think about patience in trials, it's hard, isn't it? I'll give you a good example of not having patience. My wife and I, we went to a baby shower one time, and there was a store we used to go to, and I, I don't even remember the name of it. I know you'd go in, it was like a big old warehouse, and you'd go up, and you had a little card, and then you'd write the number down on the card, and then you'd bring it up, and they'd go in the back and pull the product, and because... Uh, were just displayed, and, and so they'd go pull the product, they'd bring it out, and you know, and, and they'd do all this. And so, anyway, we go to the baby shower, and as we go to the baby shower, we give uh, baby monitors, I think it was. We gave them baby monitors, and, uh, and so the couple says, well, you know, we've already got these baby monitors, and they said, we'll just take it back. I said, no, give them to us. We'll take them back, and we'll, we'll get you something else. And, and, and so I go back to the store, and we uh, had uh, written a check, and, and I took it in, and I, I said, listen, I said, we uh, bought these uh, baby monitors here, and I said, I was just going to return these and get something else. They already got these, and, uh, and so... Uh, we, we can't give you your money back. You wrote a check for that. I said, well, I don't want my money back. I said, let's just do something else. We'll get a different product. Well, no, we can't do that. Now, I'm the customer, and I want to tell you, my patience would run thin real quick <laughs> because I even wanted a product that costs less, and they said, well, you have to get it of the same value or more, and then you have to write another check or pay us cash, and I was just standing there. I was like, no, that's not what I want to do. <laughs> they told me exactly what they want. This is exactly what you have, and that's what I want. And I remember, anybody ever been in these situations where you're just, all of a sudden, your patience is running out? And I want to tell you how sweet my wife is. Come here, sweetheart. <laughs> she could tell my patience was running thin. And she's so sweet because she's standing there and she's holding my hand. And the more that she could see what was happening to me, I can't show you because her hand started squeezing and squeezing. And the longer I stood there, she squeezed just a little bit harder. And then she does a little bump like this, like, okay, it's time to go where you're not getting your way, you know what I mean? And so she was real sweet about it. But I can tell you one thing. My patience was running thin. Anybody ever have that happen when you're dealing with something? Anybody at all? Just, just, just this wicked, ungodly sinner standing right here. Man, I'm telling you my patience was running thin. And I, and I look at this, and God says his love for his hope provides in tribulation patience. Now, you know, we're, we're talking about baby monitors, but listen, in the midst of a trial, to have patience, it takes a lot, doesn't it? And, and he builds upon this because he says in patience and experience, and these both lead to a strong assurance of his love. He says, listen, I build up that patience and I let you go through this experience so I can demonstrate my love. <laughs> my love for you. And it's shed abroad in your heart. See, what happens is, is what should happen to us, instead of the flesh flooding out, we should let the spirit flood in. Are you with me? We should respond biblically. We should respond in a spiritual way, not in an ungodly way. And I thought about for our revival to happen, we must start with the strong assurance of hope. Yes, our patience will be tested. I'm telling you, when you go knock on doors, your patience will be tested. There will be people that will shut the door in our face. There will be people tell you to get off their steps. There will be people say things. But then there comes the bakers. <laughs> and they let you in. And you get to share the gospel. There comes that opportunity. And here's the thing. You say, why would God let you go through that? It's testing our patience. We're gaining experience. We're thinking about how to say what to say. Amen. I went to a lady's house one time, and I regret this every day. 
And I remember being in her home and, and, and uh, I, I was sharing with her the importance of prayer. And she said, I pray all the time. And I asked her if she were to die today, do you know for sure if you go to heaven? And she didn't know. And just out of pure stupidity, I said, well, God can't hear your prayers then. You know that's biblical, right? He doesn't hear the ungodly. There's one thing that he can hear from the ungodly. Lord, I believe I'm a sinner. <laughs> He's not listening to their prayers in the way that you would think. And here's the thing. You say, well, what about Cornelius in the Bible? Well, he was a man who was godly and did alms, much alms to many people. And he prayed daily that God would send someone, didn't he? He was asking for something, wasn't he? And I don't believe that the unsaved, that their prayers are heard by our Heavenly Father. They're not. And even though he knows all things and can hear all things, I think they're disregarded somehow in his mind. And I remember saying that to that young lady, and I thought, what did I just say to her? Is it biblical? Yep. How dumb, Warnick, are you? How stupid could you be? And the thing of it is, is that our patience will be tested. We can experience difficult circumstances, but at the end, God's love provides hope. I couldn't retract what I said, but I asked her if she'd be willing to pray and trust Christ as her Savior. And she said, well, if the God you serve doesn't listen to my prayers, why would I want to get saved? I said, that's the reason you need to get saved. Dumb. Harsh words, though, isn't it? Sometimes foolish. And the thing is, is that what I share with you is, is I don't know whether that girl has gotten saved or not as a result of my harsh actions. Harsh words. You know, I don't want to be a pastor of strife and contention. You want to be a pastor of love and care, and you want to reach out to people. Now, I don't want them to believe a lie, but the fact is, is you can be careful and have the right kind of patience with people. How then are you to maintain this strong faith in your trial, to view it from the eyes of the Lord and ask Him to comfort your heart and to guide your thinking? The Bible states here in verse 2, I love this passage. He says, By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. When I, when I look at this, the Bible states here in verse 2 that we approach the times of our test in this life and do not fret or fear, but stand by His grace in all situations. How many ever wanted to do-over in life? Anybody ever want to do-over? <laughs> Boy, I'd like to, you know, go back and talk to that girl again. I'd like to have a do-over. Now, maybe God may provide that one day, maybe not, but I'd like a do-over. But you know that the truth of the matter is that sometimes we get one opportunity, Right? <laughs> So, boy, why don't we handle it with a spiritual attitude, asking God to go before us? This all leads to the path of no regrets in your relationship with the Lord and with others because of the type of hope that you have in you. Let me, let me get you to, you can just write these down. I want you to think about these verses, Romans 8, 24 and 25. For we are saved by hope. <laughs> you know, we often say we're saved by grace. Do you realize the Bible says we're saved by what? hope. And he says, but hope that is seen is not hope. 
And he goes on, he says, For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. <laughs> patience. I believe God provides some strong assurance. Your strong assurance of God's love makes it possible to be bold in your witness, to be patient in your witness, and to, as you go through the experiences, God wants to use that again and again. And he provides for us in every one of those situations. And we just have to seek him out. The second thought is this. God's love gives the gift of the Holy Ghost. The latter part of verse 5, he says, Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is given unto us. The love of God is found all throughout the Old and New Testament, and his love abounds past the what I would consider the regions of man's thinking, doesn't it? When I, when I think about the love of God, I think about the things that God has done and is doing. It goes way beyond what I can really fathom. How many of you have seen God just, uh, you know, part the Red Sea? You know? I mean, can you really in your mind see that? Like, when you read Genesis, does it come alive to you? Do you kind of step back for a moment and think, how in the world did he do that? Does it ever cause you to just stop for a moment and says that, you know, he put the sky up there and he put the ground down here and he put the birds in the air and the fish in the sea and the beasts in the field and caused the grass to grow and put the sun in the sky and put the moon in the sky and then he took dirt and breathed life into it and here we are. Now, I don't know about you, that's a pretty amazing God. And that's the same God that turned around and said, I've given you a part of myself. I've given you me. <laughs> that is amazing to me. A creature he has made, he gave life to us out of the dust of the ground, and he provides his spirit in us. It's amazing, isn't it? That's a powerful God. And I look at this, to the lost, the love of God was to give eternal life through his son, and at the moment of salvation, he provides assurance by the gift of the Holy Ghost. I believe people are either saved or unsaved. There's no in-between, amen? And you either have trusted Christ as your Savior, or you have not. Uh, I, I, I had someone tell me one time, and this is not a regret because I thought this just can't be. They, they told me, they said, uh, you know, my, my daughter is involved and she's a lesbian now, but I'm so glad she made a profession of faith when she was a child. If you go read your Bible, they're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. That's hard to say, isn't it? But it's truth. And you say, well, anybody can be saved. Yes, but listen, listen, God gave them up to a reprobate mind too, didn't he? To do that which is unseemly. Hey, listen, he, they, they, they do some things and he says, uh, uh, you know, hey, listen, let me, let me take you to Corinthians and show you that he said, listen, I want you to, I want you to take a test. And the test that I want you to take is this one. He said, prove your own selves, test yourselves. Know you not your own selves how that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobates. 
And then he refers back to that type of activity as being a reprobate. I believe when you get saved, the Holy Spirit resides in you. And you say, well, maybe they're just quenching or squelching the Holy Spirit. I'm not sure they're saved. <laughs> I'm not God, but I'm telling you, there are some things that are strong indicators in the Scriptures as to whether someone knows Christ or doesn't. Amen? And what we want to do is we want to reach them with the gospel. And we cannot lie or hide behind a lie or hide behind the world with the uh, philosophies that, listen, you got your way and I got my way. And listen, you know, uh, if you do that, I mean, that's up to you. But listen, I'm telling you, we need to preach the truth and see souls get saved and really come to Jesus Christ. And listen, by the power of the Holy Spirit, if that spirit moves into that person's life, I'm telling you, things have to change. Things have to change. And, and, and when you see no change and they tell you that they are professing salvation, I believe some of that is profession without possession. I believe it's that they say it, but they don't really know it. Because I believe God the Holy Spirit would not let them rest in that or that lifestyle. The lost, God gives the eternal life to them through His Son. The saved then are given the Holy Ghost to remind us of that everlasting love that the Lord provided now, and it resides in our hearts. I want to read a, verse, a couple of verses to you. I want you to turn to them in Ephesians chapter 3. Turn to Ephesians chapter 3 with me, if you will. Ephesians chapter 3. Everybody with me? Say amen. Look at verse, uh, let me see, 14. Paul speaking here, and he says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his Spirit. Where, folks? Where? In the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by what? Faith. That ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Now listen to this. According to the what? power that's where? Worketh in us. There's a power that works in us, isn't there? And, and when you look at this, as we consider the Word of God, uh, it, listen, may this fill our hearts as we approach this time of revival and ask the God of heaven, beyond what we can comprehend, to do the work in this meeting that needs to be done leading up to it. Do you know where it's really going to take place? Do you know where revival is really going to take place? It's when every man and woman in this auditorium tonight drops to their knees and said, God, with all sincerity of heart, I believe you. And I believe revival will come to Calvary. I believe it. And we do everything we can between now and the date that we approach that time to do everything possible that we can, and that is in prayer and in fasting and in witnessing and in invitation and praying and coming to the 24-hour prayer vigil and doing 
all that we can. And once we've done all that we can, let's get out of the way and let God do his work. Amen? Amen. And I believe he will. But we have to pray believing, nothing doubting that God will do this. As I look to the scriptures and I think about now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh where? In us. He's able to do abundantly above all that we ask or what? Think. Is God capable of winning souls? (laughs) Is God capable of having you knock on a door or ask a friend that you've asked a hundred times to come to be in the house of the Lord and that 101st time that you ask them, they finally come and they get saved. Listen, it took years for me to come to know Christ as my Savior. Years to come to know Christ as my Savior. I had been witnessed to from the time I was 12 years old till the time I was 30 years old before I came to know Christ as my Savior. And when I look at back at the time before I got saved, how many people witnessed to me over and over and over, those Sunday school teachers and those bus workers and those people that came and knocked on our doors. And listen, even Brother Jack Howells came to our house and knocked on our door and stood in my house and witnessed to us, and I did not get saved. I lied. But over and over and over, people witnessed to me. Even my dear father-in-law, and I want you to pray for him, because that, that dementia is setting in really bad on him. But that man, after he realized that I had married his daughter and was not saved, he did everything he could to try to share the gospel with me. I didn't understand what he was doing. But he cared enough not only about his daughter, he cared enough about my soul, And I remember being on a balcony in an apartment where he just opened up the Bible and began to just share the gospel with me again. I told him I didn't have time for church. How many of you have heard that one? (laughs) Too busy, man. I got stuff. I got things. October 12, 1995, God finally got a hold of my heart. Too much to tell you what led up to that, but it was an amazing thing. And how many people witnessed The love of God is said to be poured out or to gush out or to rush out for profit in the hearts of these people, these believers, the one who is saved. God shows his love in abundance to us. So the Holy Ghost is given to us so that we're short of the love of God. In the life that we now live, in the life eternal that is to come, listen, we ought to have great assurance. That assurance should cause us to want to share God's witness with other people without hesitation. Are you able by the love of God and the power of the Holy Ghost which is in us to come to God believing that he wants revival? Are we able to do that? Are we capable of saying God I believe? (laughs) I believe that you want people to get saved. I believe he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. How about you? Is he able to do that? (laughs) So Take the list that I gave you and then not only look at that list and pray over it, think about how you might call or invite or if you know them, reach out to them. Amen. We can all do that, can't we? And then you have a friend or a neighbor or a co-worker, invite them. And you don't have to wait and say, hey, you have to come on the 26th. You know, they can come this Sunday, believe it or not. Amen. 
We're open on Sundays and Wednesdays. <laughs> Amen? And they can even come Saturday if they want. <laughs> but the fact is, is that have them come. Encourage them. Here's what you do. By the power that worketh in you, you pick up that list. And you get on your knees before God and you say, Okay, Lord, I know these people. And by your power, <laughs> I'm asking you to work in me to either win them to you or to encourage them to come. You have the power in you. I don't have any special power, amen? We all have the Holy Spirit in us if we're saved. So take the list, invite the people, reach out to your neighbors, co-workers, friends, and family, and let them know that the love of God provides a short hope, amen? You say, well... You know, this happened or that happened or this was said or that. You know what? Put all that out of your head. Go and tell them Jesus Christ lives. Amen? Go and tell them that God still loves them. Go and tell them. Don't let all the dirt and the mess and the grime get in the way of telling them who Jesus Christ is. Amen? Because there may be some of them on that list that are the madman of Gadarenas, but they need Christ. Amen? And what we have a responsibility to do is to reach out to them. Your strong assurance of God's love makes it possible to be bold in your witness for him. So let's pray to that end. Let's pray to that end. I'm going to pray.